Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Talking Numbers. My name is Paul Jantz, where each week I'll have the pleasure of chatting to the stars of our accounting industry. From leaders of accounting firms to leaders of companies that are dealing and working with accounting firms, it's all happening here on Talking Numbers. Stay tuned as we continue to drop the big names of big people in our industry. It's Talking Numbers. Well, to all our wonderful listeners, welcome back to Talking Numbers, our wonderful podcast where I chat to some really cool people within the accounting industry. Today, I have the pleasure of chatting to Nick Sinclair, founder and CMO of The Outsourced Accountant. Um, Toa, better known as, mate, one of the largest outsourcing companies in, in, in the world. Welcome to the show, Nick. Thanks for having me. Really excited to be here today. Yeah, it's good fun, mate. Um, look, let's... I'd love to check in on you. I know you're sort of living up in uh, Queensland or southeast Queensland nowadays, but uh, you obviously run your teams overseas as well. Firstly, how have you been coping with lockdown? I know we're in stage four here in Melbourne, so but obviously you've got teams overseas as well. How are they all doing? Yeah, look, for me, I'm on the Gold Coast um, in Queensland. So for us, it's, I hate to say the word, somewhat normal, but... Um, <laughs> I mean, it, it feels like it's it's not even occurring in a lot of a lot of ways, um, but obviously we've got you know a large team in the Philippines and it's you know yes. they're still in modified lockdown, so it's it's different for them. Um, we've got a team in Toronto in Canada, which is again very different, and then a team in San Diego in the US. So it's it's quite a I call it two speed economy almost for us because our Gold Coast office we've been back in the office for you know a couple of months now everything's seems like normal we're interacting with clients I mean obviously Victoria's affected where you are um, yep. and that's affecting our clients there but you know in the Philippines a large part of our team uh, uh, you know we've only got 30 percent of our workforce working in the offices um, so 70 percent is still work from home um, our tri- right. okay. Toronto's back in the office um, but San Diego's still working from home so it's it's quite, um, I, I call it a two-speed economy. You know, things are going really well in some cases, but then really challenging in others. Yes, yes. And, and I, I don't know, San Diego has been affected as, as harsh down there as probably further parts of California up there. But yeah, is it, is it, is it a little bit more concerning over in the US? Um, I think the US has taken a very different approach to how Australia has. So, you know, we only compare it against that. They've taken more of a you know, let's get back to life. But, yes. you know, states like California, which are normally um, quite open and, and go against the grain, uh, have gone the opposite this time. So they've turned okay. into like a conservative state as opposed to being more liberal and out there. Um, so that's been the interesting thing. They've they've had a lot more, I suppose, harsh lockdowns and, and rules yes. compared to some of uh, what you'd call more traditional states, which you'd expect them to be the ones that are, you know, more open, you know, more resisting opening back up and that. So, um, yeah, yeah. but besides that, our team have coped okay. I mean, they're still able to function, you know, somewhat normal with their lives, with exercise and getting out of the house and doing things still. Yeah, good, good. And, I, you know, you've just mentioned the Gold Coast where I lived for 12 years and we just mentioned California. I, I lived in LA for, I've only been back for about three and a half years myself. So, um, but I would rather be back here, that's for sure, rather than be over there and, with what's going on, so yeah, very different approach. There, they're dealing with it. <laughs> correct, correct, <laughs> mate. Let's talk about Toa. Um, congratulations! I, you know, again, uh, I'm keen to find out um, uh, how it all started. So, tell me a little bit about Toa and where it all commenced and why you went down this road. Yes, yeah, so we are a, 
offshore providers. We, in essence, provide full-time dedicated employees to bookkeepers and accounting firms. Um, and that can vary from accounting, bookkeeping, um, right through to admin, marketing, um, you know, BI, business analytics roles, um, and a range of other things. So how, I suppose, the short story of how we, we started was that I ran a financial planning um, business for over 12 years. And I during that time, I bought a mortgage-broking business, an accounting business. Um, we had a property buyer's agent business. And one of the biggest challenges that I had was I was the only owner. We had 38 staff locally um, in our Gold Coast and Brisbane offices. And I was getting 350, 400 emails a day. I was working you know, enormous hours. Um, I loved what I did, so I didn't see it as a real issue. But we did lack capacity in a big way. And mm. I was over in the Philippines for a group called the Entrepreneurs' Organisation, which is a global yep. organisation. Um, I was on the board in Queensland. A um, bit of trivia at the time, uh, Rob Nixon was the president of the board and I was the membership chair. Um, <laughs> so I actually went to the Philippines with Rob Nixon. Um, right. And when, I, when we were over there, one of our um, Brisbane members lived over there and he ran a large, one of the largest removals companies in Australia. So look, come and check out what I'm doing over here. So he had a a big team over there, um, a team of, you know, 30 or 40 people that, you know, call centre, they were quoting removal jobs. So someone would ring up and and um, say, look, we're looking to move. They would quote the job over the phone. They had calls, two call centres in Australia as well, but the Philippines okay. one were outperforming the Australian ones. Um, but the thing that really intrigued me was that they were generating over 3,000 leads a day on a marketing sense. And anyone that listed their house for rent or for sale would get something from them within 24 hours. If they're an existing person that they'd dealt with in the past, they would get some offer. If they were a new one, they'd get a different type of offer. And I really looked at it from my point of view is how could I introduce the marketing aspect and how can we attract and, and get more clients? Now, we had a capacity issue, which I also looked at how could we get some resources there to make us more effective and efficient and deliver more to our clients for the same cost. Yes. Um, so that's sort of where the journey went. I, I started off with another uh, BPO, an outsourcing company. Um, I put on a bookkeeping team and I was offering bookkeeping services for $20 an hour. Um, and we were converting um, seven out of every 10 of those into a full accounting clients within the first six months, just because we we're delivering more than the average um, bookkeeper was. Um, so, you know, after a couple of months, I, I struggled. And, and prior to us actually going down that journey, I had tried outsourcing in Vietnam. I tried outsourcing in India. I tried Sri Lanka. I, I'd struggled with oh, okay. a lot of the ones where you send a job and they deliver the job and then they give it back. And I yes. think the challenge that we had with that is the quality of work um, really varied amongst the providers. And it depended on the busier they got, the more people they had to get on board and train and get up to speed. So we found that as they grew, the quality dropped, um, right. particularly if they were growing fast. And a lot of them don't control the workload. They'll take on new clients, but the quality would drop in that case. Yep. So we just found a lot of inconsistency. We didn't have the same people working on it. Um, you know, I'm a control freak is probably another way to say it. So <laughs> I wanted my system, my process. I wanted to manage the employee, but I couldn't. So the model in the Philippines was, well, they're my employee. While the outsourcing company is the, the true employer, I'm the actual one that they're working solely for. So they work on my systems, my process, my technology. And that worked really well in that aspect. But what didn't work well is that I was training these bookkeepers up and then I would lose them. 
And it wasn't until I went back to the Philippines a couple of months later, I went into that provider and I looked around and went, there was at least 20 people in there over six months that I had trained now mm. working for other clients. Yes. So this provider was using me as a training ground and then selling them at a higher cost to another new client. So I call it being young and dumb. I was naive. Um, I then went, or I can't be that hard to set up a company over here and do what they're doing for our own back office. So we incorporated, set up our own back office. We put on 30 people. We had 38 in Australia. We put on 30 for our own team. Um, And we got up and running that way. So it was our own back office and that was the whole purpose for it. And it was, so that's how it all started. It was me being young, naive and wanting full control and not wanting to have what was happening with me happen. Um, that, so we could bring it back in and control that whole process. And then, um, probably four months into that journey, Rob Nixon, um, because I was on the board with him, would meet up and would chat regularly. And he said, look, I'm doing this, um, roadshow called capitalizing on the cloud. Um, and, I'm talking about outsourcing. Why don't you come to um, the Brisbane event and I'll get you up on stage and you can talk about your story and I'll use that as obviously a reason why people need to look at advisory and they need to look at their businesses. And I said, mate, I'm happy to come on all all 14 stops of the roadshow. Um, <laughs> I'll fund my own cost because I know that I'll learn from you and everyone that's on it. And um, he agreed to that. So the first after the first event in Newcastle, um, I had five firms coming up to me saying, look, Nick, we love your story, love what you're doing. They were the only five that did. The rest of them thought I was young and I was going to, yep. you know, take their clients and I was doing the wrong thing by offshoring, et cetera. But um, those five firms came up and said, look, do you have any extra desks in your office? We don't want to have to go through what you did, but love the concept. And um, at the time we had an office, I took an office of 50 people. We had 30 people in there, so we had 20 desks. Yep. Um, fast forward to the end of that roadshow, the 14 stops, I'd sold 90 people. Um, wow. So the outsourced accountant became a business suddenly. Um, <laughs> and then the next year it doubled to 180 team members. And then at that stage, it was, I mean, it was a real business then. And um, I then decided to exit and merge um, or merge and exit out of my um, financial planning, accounting, and mortgage broker yep. business and just focus on this um, fully. So a lot of people talk about business by design. This happened business by default there was a demand (laughs) there was a demand and then we we grew it and um and it's turned into what it is today which is you know over 1600 people we're putting on 50 to 100 people every month and now i've got offices in um canada us and australia so wow wow and and look i i love the fact that hopefully big shout out obviously the third one to robo nixon so we all we all love rob yes um been done wonderful uh, things for us Correct, and 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 it's sort of more importantly for the industry. He's been he's been wonderful for this industry, and it's it's fantastic. So I'm sure this will get back to him, mate. I'm sure it will. Yes. <laughs> so to the to the to the firms that are listening, this is this is an important one because I suppose the way that there's different types of outsourcing. I, I I'm going to use the term insourcing as opposed to outsourcing because it's because you get to the accounting firms get to employ the accountants, and therefore, like you said before. Um, uh, get to control the aspects of their training and they look after the individuals. They're on their, they're effectively their employees on their books. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we're the legal employer, but they are, they're employed by us dedicated for that accounting firm. So in all essence, they are part of their team and culture. Yep. We're just the legal employer of them. Right. And I think that's an important point because just looking at where this would fit, um, is it more for the more mature accounting firm or could a startup certainly adopt this if, you know, sort of let's, let's work through what's the, what's the ideal client, I suppose, for a, for a toll? 
Yeah, look, it's a bit of both, to be honest. We have, you know, second tier accounting firms that are clients of ours and we have sole practitioners and, and new firms that are. And I think the reality is, is we're not a traditional outsourcing in that it's only bookkeeping or accounting work. Yes. A lot of the work we do is it could be um, for a bookkeeper, the first role that they may put on with us is an admin person. So that could just be someone to free up their time, manage their diary, um, you know, send out the engagement agreements, manage all the administration part. Um, so that may be for a sole practitioner or, a, you know, a new firm, it may be that that's the support they need at the start for the first role. And they can do that at, you know, roughly, you know, 30 to 40% of the cost of having to hire someone locally, which they at the time probably couldn't afford to hire. So it gives them the ability to, what's that first role you need? It doesn't have to be the technical and hard roles. It's where is, what role is going to make your business and your local team more effective? And a lot of the time it starts with admin and then it moves into accountants and bookkeepers. So it does really evolve right through up to obviously the large firms. It could be a range of things from dedicated corporate secretarial roles to EAs for directors um, to accountants to bookkeepers to SMSF. So that's where it's really different. It's not just a right, send a job, get a job. It's how can we yes. help you create more time in your diary? And that that, you know, big firm, small firm, any firm, it's all right, where are the bottlenecks within the business? And 100%. the thing that I call it, I call the right people doing the right work at the right cost. So an example I use is, you know, I see a lot of directors and partners of accounting and bookkeeping firms that are sitting in front of the computer screens for, you know, six, seven, eight hours a day. And yes. I always question them saying, are you best serving your clients by sitting in front of emails and reviewing work or are you best serving your clients by being in front of them and being on the phone to them? Yes. Um, so, you know, yes, it's quicker for you to quickly go through the emails, but if someone can free up two hours of your time, how can you serve your clients better because of that? It's a great question. And I think for everyone listening here, um, and hopefully the majority are accountants, that that's a question you still, you, you probably need to ask yourself that every week, every month, yeah, I agree. and how you find a better process to be able to do that. And this is just one of those that have obviously proven that process we, we, we might get into some of the numbers soon in terms of how all that works. Um, but, I, but I love that fact because it does allow you to, to really stop and think because there's no doubt cloud technology has made our roles easier. We just spoke about the ability, you know, whether you've got teams in Philippines or in Toronto or on the Gold Coast. The beauty of this pandemic is we've been allowed to work from home because cloud technology. Mm. So that's made the role easier as it is but it is about continually looking at how you become more cost-effective as a business. Yeah, 100% agree. And I think ultimately that comes back to how do we better serve our clients, which is why we're in business. Correct. Correct. Now, I want to talk about that for a second. Now, you mentioned, did you say you had 1,600 team members? Yes. How do you manage 1,600 team members? So as a leader of the firm, um, how, how do you go about doing that? Look, at the end of it, it all comes back down to, um, you know, bringing on the right people in your business um, and building a leadership team and having that team continue to grow their team. And um, I think that's the, the key is, is I always aim to be the dumbest person in the room. Um, <laughs> some people joke and say, oh, it's not hard with your intelligence. <laughs> but, um, I think that the key to, to leading and growing a successful business is having the right people on the right seats on the bus 
Um, and I love that terminology that, you know, Jim Collins and that talk about. And now they're talking about... Yeah, yeah, now what Collins is talking about, which is, um, I've only recently read this, so I might not get this 100% right, but it's around then giving your leadership teams a minibus and having the right teams on their minibus. So if you look at it from a business, you've got, you know, you've got to have the right leaders, the right executive team, and then underneath that, they've got to have the right minibuses for each of them with the right teams on their bus. Um, and I think that's really so critical, particularly across, you know, we're running across, in essence, um, four countries. And yes. we've got, you know, we're run 24 hours a day um, in the Philippines. Um, it's, you know, it's a big, a lot of people, but yeah. if you've got the right leaders and then they have the right people on their teams and then their leaders have the right people in their teams and it flows all the way down and everyone is rowing in the same direction and, and that really comes back to your operating rhythms. Your, we've got a way called the toll way. So this okay. is the way that we do everything. It's our operating manual. So, you know, our values and that are all plugged into that and that guides everyone towards what we're striving to do. And we talk about we have two customers. We have our internal customer being our team and we're here to serve them and we're here to serve our clients that employ our team. So, you know, everything we do, always um, we're always looking at how does that help our two clients, um, and that's what really guides us along the way and, and lets the leadership team do what they do. Yeah, brilliant. And just just on that as well, you know, you mentioned before. I think most entrepreneurs, when they, you know, you, the the reason why you start a business because you probably want to control it. Um, from a and you mentioned that before that you're a control freak as probably I was as well. I probably got a little bit better. But, and I think you, you, you would have had to have to created the business that you've created. What's some of the, the key things that you would say to other people listening that are control freaks that need to let go? What could you share with them? I think the biggest one that I learned, and this came from Jack Daly when, you know, I used to do all my own emails and I used to manage all of that and I wanted to control everything. And Jack Daly um, who's an American sales trainer, said, if you're not, mm. if you don't have an EA, you're your own EA. Um, and I looked at it and, and probably, I mean, I know what I'm good at doing and I know what I'm not good at doing and I'm not good yeah. at operations. So I brought in a CEO and he runs the business and okay. he's brought in an executive team. And I think being able to acknowledge what you are good at doing and more yes. importantly, what you're not good at doing and then employing people that are world class at what you're not good at doing and complimenting you um, but it's also understanding, I knew that the business couldn't grow if we didn't bring on really good people and let them get out of their way. So if I wanted to bring on Craig, our CEO, and I was just going to get in his way, we might as well not have brought him on. So yes. I think that for me, the confidence is understanding what am I really good at and what am I passionate doing? And a lot of this, turned, I mean, what do I want to do when I turn up to work every day? And where do I contribute the most to the business for it to be successful? And that's where I see, you know, a lot of accounting owners, um, you know, the directors and the partners are just doing the wrong work. They're doing work that they may not be necessarily great at. Um, or the other one that I see in, in accounting firms particularly is that, you know, they hold people back from progressing and, you know, sitting in front of clients. So, you know, you've got some great young accountants that are technically okay, but where they really thrive is sitting in front of people and they're people, yes. people. And they should yes. be, they're held back from doing that because of this whole, well, no, you've got to go through the stages. You've got to be able to start doing a tax return. And, and I see that with partners. Some partners shouldn't be, you know, sitting in front of clients. They're great technicians and run the back office team. Correct. Others should be, you know, all they should do is sit in front of clients yep. and nothing else. So I think for me, it's recognizing what you're strong at 
Um, what do you enjoy doing every day? And then building a team that, you know, complement that. Yeah. Now, this, this, this is probably one of the, the, the greatest challenges because you've mentioned before, so Bruce, about you employed a CEO and if you were going to get in the way, you might as well not have him. How do you, that, that's, I think, one of the greatest challenges for, for business owners that want to say, people go, right, this is my strength. I'm not great at this guy. I'm going to bring in a general manager, a COO, a CEO. But how do you stop not getting in the way? That's, that's, a, that's a very, very good point, isn't it? I'd love to say that I've nailed it, but you know, I always get told I'm getting in the way. Um, it's a different <laughs> word. I get I, I get told I'm like a seagull. I come in, I shit on everyone, and then I fly away. <laughs> I got told by that by I will say my um, my coach. So um, right, okay. now the CEO and I do have a, the same business coach, and a lot of that is for alignment. So we okay. individually each get coached by him, but then it also helps us realign. Um, yes. I think also understanding what are the key having real clear alignment on what our goals and, and um, KPIs and measurements are and that we both agree on them and that they're built by the team, not necessarily just by us and that we're all in agreement with that and then just getting out of the way and letting them do it. Now, it's, obvi- it's obviously a lot easier to do when things are going well or when things are not going well, it's more challenging, but that comes back to, for me, I just need the right reporting. So we have BI dashboards um, that have been set up that I can get all the data I need and to be honest, over trial and error of doing it, it was a struggle to start. But I quickly see, and one of our one of our values is keep it real. Mm-hmm. So we have a keep it real conversation. If I'm getting in the way, then any of our executive or any of our team can can pull me up and say, Nick, you know, I'm going to have a keep it real conversation with you. You're causing more problems than you you're getting. What do you need from me to give you the confidence? Right. Um, but to be honest, a lot of it comes back to. You know, the reporting I get, the meeting rhythms that I have with the right people that I need. Um, but, yeah, it's that, you know, they always know that if I'm getting in the way, then it's obviously I'm not getting what I need. So what do I need for that confidence? But to be honest, now it's a lot better. At the start, it was challenging. Okay. But I think you you need to under, you need to give them time. And this can happen with any um, business owner of transitioning out of having that. And with my accounting and bookkeeping business, I had a general manager that was running it then. So I learned pretty early what I'm good at and what I'm not. Mm-hmm. And I've just had to build up over the years that resilience of what information do I need to give me comfort? And once I understood that, then I can get that, then just get out of the way. Get out of the yeah. way and let them do what they're really good at doing. Let them do what they're doing. So, yeah. so what does your as founder and CMO? What, what's your what's your day to day role? Yeah, so a large amount of it is is this uh, chief of marketing at the moment. So, yep. um, our CEO restructured the executive team about twelve months ago and and basically brought me in to restructure the whole marketing area. Um, obviously, understanding our clients, understanding the industry, having owned uh, a business in the industry for a long time. Um, he brought me in to do that, but I'm now at the end of that tenure might be the word. So we're, we're looking to employ a CMO later this year for an early next year start because it's now functioning where I'm now again starting to get in the way because it's such a, you know, integral part with sales and, and other areas yeah. of the business. I'm now yeah. getting into some of the weeds or, um, it's hard for me to report to him technically in that role, okay. um, so, but day to day, a lot of it is driving, you know, our client experience from the sales right through to, you know, that account management and the marketing and, and how we serve our community around that. Yeah, brilliant, brilliant. 
Um, so given the, where, where, where you currently sit and obviously bringing on new people, what is the, I suppose we're sitting in the second half of um, the calendar year and the first half of the new financial year, I suppose. So what, what does the next 12 months, 24 months look like for Toa? Is it, is it slow down? Is it full steam ahead? Is it, what does it look like? Yeah, look, I think for us now, it's, there's two, I mean, that I mentioned earlier, we're running a two-speed economy. So we've um, had two of our biggest months um, for new clients coming on in the last two months. Um, wow. When COVID first hit in March and April, and um, well, the end of March was really April, May, it was, you know, we were really just supporting our existing clients to get through it. But I think the a lot of businesses in the industry have seen how much they lack in capacity. Um, they weren't able to serve their clients because there was too many of them coming at once. Um, so for us, we're trying to serve our new clients that we're, we're taking on board. We've had, you know, we're extremely busy with new clients and existing clients are growing at a quicker rate now than they have been in the past. So for us, it's around, I suppose, being able to deliver and serve them while we're going through that growth. But also on the, on the flip side, it's all of our people, you know, it's very different still. The 70% are still working from home. It's, you know, we're still in this, this, you know, that two speed world where, you know, things aren't great overseas, particularly in the Philippines and, and the US. So it's just a matter of how do we continue to help manage through that um, while also, you know, on the flip side, taking on a lot of um, new clients, which is a positive thing. So the next 12 months, to be honest, we, we had reforecasted and, and were just more focused on serving our clients. But with what's happened in the last couple of months, um, we still see we've been almost doubling every year. So we still see that, you know, we'll go from 1600 to we run calendar year. So the end of 2021, right will be, you know, somewhat two and a half to 3,000 team members. And then the following year is estimated around that 5,000 team member mark. So um, still some quite solid growth, but 60% of that comes from our existing clients and where it works right. for them, you know. And that's why I suppose what we do is a true partnership. The more successful they are as a business, the more successful we'll be. Yeah, yeah 100%. And that's a, that, that's a great business model to have because as they grow, you grow. Exactly. And that's, yeah. I think, the key part of it is that, you know, we can't be successful if they're not. Yes. Um, so the more we can support, and, and that's why we do a lot of things. I mean, you don't see any other outsourcing or offshore providers doing roadshows or, you know, the educational content that we deliver on a monthly and weekly basis. So, you know, we do a lot um, that's outside of just, I suppose, managing people around, you know, we see three core components, people, process, technology. Um, now, we obviously have a large amount of experience in the people side of it, but we also see a lot in the tech and the process. And we know mm -hmm. that for firms to be really effective with their global teams, they need all three of those working. So yes. we're, we all almost see ourselves as an educational um, company in, in a lot of aspects to get people up to a level where they can really maximise their people. Mm. I love that, that educational side because it, it's so true because that's how you can maximise. Brilliant. Mate, um, I often talk about, and again, in the, I don't know, I've been running these for a few months now. I talk about golden nuggets, and for all of our listeners, there's been several little golden nuggets. Hopefully, you've got the ability to, obviously, you've got the ability to write them down, or you can go back and re-listen to it to look at all the different things that Nick has spoke about. Um, mate, just to wrap up, for our listeners, and I know you've given a lot of advice, if there was a, a, a good or bad piece of advice that you can share as a part of a closing comment what would that be the the piece of advice that i got which was people are your biggest asset so get the right people yep. on the bus um you know always make sure that you employ someone that 
you know, lifts the average of the room um, from an intelligence and ability point of view and then get out of the way and let them do what they're good at doing. Brilliant. Love it. What a way to wrap up. Hey, congratulations. Um, again, I look forward to chatting to you over the next six months and then the six months after that and continuing to see the journey as we come out of lockdown and all the restrictions as the business continue to, to, you know, to grow. And that's probably one great thing that I love about it, the passion that you have for the business being the accountant, having the, you know, you know, the financial advisor model all the way through to what you're doing now is outstanding. So, mate, thanks for joining us. Good luck for the future, uh, for the rest of the calendar year, the start of the, obviously the financial year. And um, yeah, I look forward to chatting in the future. Wonderful. No, appreciate the opportunity to chat to you today. My pleasure, Nick. Thanks, mate. Talk soon. Cheers. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Talking Numbers. It's something that I've certainly loved and enjoyed doing, just chatting and peeling back the little bits of the individuals as well as the companies that continue to add value. We hope you enjoyed that episode and look out for our next episode coming to you soon. Mm-hmm.